Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Kim Fox is a proven progressive reformer, fighting gun crime, enacting bail reform, and expunging records from the failed war on crime are a few of her achievements. It takes more than three years to fix the broken justice system. Look at her record, not her rhetoric. Like her saying bullshit on podcast. Re-elect Kim Fox for Cook County State's Attorney. Paid for by Friends for Fox. Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront. Warmer winters in the upper Midwest. Microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival. The Midwest's premier environmental film festival. It's March 6th through the 15th. March 6th through the 15th. When? March 6th through the 15th. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say the that. The 14th? No. Uh-uh. Pay attention. Take a piece of paper out and a pencil okay. and write it down. March 6th through the 15th. Okay? 15th. And there's 26 films, 48 events, and four counties. What is that again, D? 26. Films. 48. Events. Four. Counties. You can engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater and Oak Park, and much more. Go to OneEarthFilmFest.org. What is that, D? OneEarthFilmFest.org. One more time. OneEarthFilmFest.org. God, are you good. That's correct. Did you know that 40% of the people in Illinois opt to be cremated? Well, it's true. And Chicagoland Cremation Options honors their wishes by providing cremation services directly to the general public. Chicagoland Cremation Options provides an affordable, ethical, and easy cremation arrangement, whether in person or online. Save thousands and streamline the process by going directly to Chicagoland Cremation Options. It's a family-owned business operated by my good friend, Douglas Klein. Here's how you reach them. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. One more time. ChicagolandCremationOptions.com. Com. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, March 10th is just moments away. But before we get into that, we got to thank the following unions for sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Association of Machinists and Aerospace Workers, Local 126 in District 8. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Can't thank these unions enough for jumping on board. Couldn't do it without you. And of course, today's Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you by our good friends at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Hour number two, let's go. It is Tuesday, March 10th, and live from the Chicago Sun-Times Chicago Reader Studio on Racine Avenue, this is the Ben Jarofsky show. In this hour of the program, candidates. <laughs> Ninth District State Rep candidate Lakisa Collins is here and will be joined by 49th District State Senate candidate Michael Crowner. 
And now your host, not a candidate. <laughs> nope, never. He is a columnist. Yes. Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. I am a columnist. I wrote a column about uh, Kim Fox, Bill Conway, the bullshit ad. In more ways than one. I'm still upset about that. Jackie Algie's in the studio to introduce our next guest. I'm so irritated by that on so many levels. Because I do think Smollett Gate, our obsession with Smollett Gate, is bullshit, okay? And I don't think uh, that Kim Fox crossed the line when she said the word bullshit. And she is on a podcast in this studio where people swear all the time. They're trying to make such a big deal about it. And it's a double standard, Jackie Algy. When a man swears, it's like, oh, well, he's just being manly. But when a woman swears, oh, I can't believe she said that. And that's, people want to know why Elizabeth Warren had trouble breaking through. Jackie, this is part of the reason, all right? The mm-hmm. double standard that Donald Trump swears all the time and they cheer. Nothing oh, happens. nothing happened. Rahm Emanuel, the guy woke up swearing, went to bed swearing, <laughs> swore all day. Everybody, oh, that's Rahm being Rahm. You know? Well, the ceiling's still there. That's the top and bottom line. Ceiling has not gone anywhere. We've made some inroads. Yeah, you got a few people like our amazing Kim Fox who's been in office the last three years and trying to make this county better than it was before she got mm-hmm. there, and she's done that. So for them to be caught up and hung up on a word and not on her record is a disgrace. Yeah. So. All right, we'll move on from that, although I will say that I'm as guilty as the next person, Jackie, for obsessively talking about Smollett Gate. I can't help it, I'm obsessed with the case. That said, <laughs> Come on. It's a tri- I recognize it's a triviality compared yeah. to the overwhelming issues of criminal justice yeah. in our country and That's trying to figure out a sane, rational way to like police our streets in a, so that you're not just sweeping up people who are innocent at the same time. You're not leaving people exposed to all sorts of criminals and stuff. I understand these are tough, difficult situations, but Smollett Gate, give me a break, uh, man. Come yeah. on. It's a triviality. It really is. It is. And it, I, listen, uh, that said, Get I'll probably be talking about it, it tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Come on, I can't help myself. I mean, if, if we were to charge Trump with everything that he said, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have enough paper to write, <laughs> nor ink to write it with. All right, Jackie Algy from SEIU, why don't you introduce this young lady who's sitting next to you? Listen, and- I am so honored, honored to introduce this young woman. Her name is Lakeisha Collins. And I proudly uh, proclaim and, uh, and not only proclaim, but claim her as a daughter. Uh, she is an amazing young woman. She is a hard worker. She's an amazing mother. Um, she's just a stand-up woman in all realms of life. But more importantly, as it relates to this race, She's she's the she's the right candidate. Mm-hmm. She's the best candidate. And I tell her all the time, nobody can tell her story story better than her. So I'll let her. All right, Lakeisha Collins, welcome to the show. <laughs> tell her story. Thank you, man. And uh, so first of all, tell folks a little bit before we get into uh, who you are. Talk, talk a little bit about the district itself. Yes. Yeah, so the ninth district is very diverse. It goes all the way um, east as Armitage and then all the way west as far as North Lawndale. So you have communities like North Lawndale, Home and Square, Little Village, a little bit of Pilsen, um, Lincoln Park, Old Town. It's a lot of diversity. Um, you mean as far as north as Armitage got it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah, it's a pretty big district. I think it's about 108,000 constituents. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And for years, it was represented by State Representative Arthur Turner. Senior, uh, yes. Senior. Yes. Uh, and uh, then his son was the state rep. Junior. Uh, and now uh, the brother is running. It's uh, Aaron. So there's a lot of people running for the state. It's a vacant seat. Yes. Uh, and uh, so tell folks about yourself, why you think you're the best able to be the state rep. So a little bit of my background is that my mother passed away at 28 from cancer. I was five when my grandmother took me and my sister in. She became our legal guardian. So she was paralyzed on one side. So of a very young age, I learned how to take care of others before myself. Um, I lived from house to house as a young girl. I experienced several levels of abuse, physical, mental, verbal, sexual. Um, but it was my teachers who, you know, took care of me, who let me come into their homes and fed me, um, gave me feminine products, but also helped me to transition into foster care. And while I was in foster care, that was the first time that I really experienced what it was like to have community, be, you know, um, going to school, focusing on my work. But at the age of 20 is when I really made my very first hard decision, um, and that was to further my education or you know, take care of my son. And I chose my son and that was my introduction introduction into the labor movement and learning how to organize. And so I got my CNA certification. I started working at a nursing home. I was upset about the working conditions. We were taking care of the most vulnerable people. And so I became not only an advocate for the seniors, but an advocate for the workers. And so I learned about my contract, started to um, fight back against the you know, um, unjust things that I was seeing on the job. But I actively got involved and I helped to organize 200 nursing home workers in 2010 uh, to pass the Nursing Home Reform Act. Mm -hmm. I then became a spokesperson for Fight for 15 for nursing home workers. I helped to do a lot of the groundwork for that. Um, And I've also helped to organize workers as a staff member of Mm -hmm. SEIU now. I've helped to organize workers to help improve their working conditions, raise their wages, um, fight for better benefits and affordable health care. I've actually let workers out on strike. And then um, just last year, I helped to pass the short staff and enforcement um, language, which is very important because it holds the industry accountable for short staff and the seniors. I'm currently running now for state representative because our district is disproportionately resourced. Um, whenever, you know, we talk about balancing the budget, it's always off the backs of the working class and the working poor. And that's a problem. Um, we see underneath this system that we've been under for 30 years um, is that we've had displacement, lack of affordable housing, we have school closures, we have lack of funding to our mental health clinics, um, and lack of good quality jobs. And so, I mean, I've been throughout the district and it's like a tale of two cities. And so um, we need to organize in Springfield. This race will determine the uh, future of this district We need to make sure that when we talk about public safety, which is something that I heard a lot on the doors, um, and it's a different narrative. Some people say, well, we need more police on the street, right? Well, my idea is that we have to deal with public safety in a holistic way. We have to tackle the root causes, which is making sure that we have more affordable housing. That's why I support lift the ban on rent um, control. We need to make sure that we fully fund our mental health clinics and fully fund our neighborhood schools and have an elective representative school board for accountability. Um, We need to invest into our higher education. Um, We need to continue to increase the minimum wage, but also something that I've been fighting for for a long time before it even became popular 
is a fair tax. Passing a fair tax, making sure that those um, top 1% pay their fair share. It's a lot, Ben, yeah. but... Uh, I, uh, that was quite an impressive riff there. So let me just stop taking notes on everything you had to say. Uh, and and uh, I like the union thing. And I got to tell you, the show is very pro-union. We're supported by unions. We wouldn't be here without union support. And, Correct. Uh, Everyday yeah. people. Yeah, and so people. that's important, you know. And I, I point this out all the time. How do I say this, Keisha? If... It's like some people think, well, I'm just into like a union issue. That's my only mm. issue. Or I'm just in, this is I, this is 101 of Ben. Or I'm just into a, a woman's right to choose issue. Mm. Or I'm just worried about environmental regulations. Or I'm gun control. And the reality is this. The only party right now in America that's addressing all those issues is the Democratic Party. I'm just putting that out there. I'm going to be real. Okay? The Republican Party ignores every single one of these issues. Pretends like they're not issues. Sorry. And so I'd like it when my candidates come in here and they could they they recognize that. Do you follow mm-hmm. what I'm saying? They recognize that it's not just not about a woman's right to choose alone solely or just gun control or just, Correct. you know, whatever like i said uh crime issue it's like all tied together all of it and um it's really important for the democratic party to recognize that so i appreciate the fact that uh you're not running away from any of these issues particularly the union support all right let's talk a little bit about where you grew up are you from chicago originally i am from chicago um my father is a west sider my mom is a south sider um I've lived pretty much from house to house. I stayed on the south side, the west side, Naperville, Warrenville, Wheatonville, Glen Ellen. So you I was a foster made- kid, so I was, and I was also homeless, so I was living pretty much everywhere. I had a lot of diversity growing up. Um, Where'd you end up going to high school? Uh, Proviso East is where I ended up. So you were um, in Maywood. Yes, I went to Maywood, too. I went to Wavonzi Valley High School. I went to DuSable. Went so to- how did you keep your... <laughs> Uh, how did like when you were moving around? How did you like keep your <sighs> your your strength mentally? Your just your mental strength when all these different transitions in your life. Ooh, it's hard navigating through a system that you feel like isn't meant for you. But I kept God first, um, and I feel like you know my mom passing away. I've always felt like she was just putting people in my life that played a key part in me being the woman I am today. So every person that I meet, I always look for the better good. Um, and I take a lot of advice from, you know, folks who've been through the same struggle or worse. But I've always kept myself focused and kept a plan. Mm-hmm. Like, in these five years, I'm going to be here. Um, but I've always been told by people who, you know, are supposed to love you the most um, that you wouldn't be anything. You wouldn't amount to nothing. So I've been proving them that. I can mm-hmm. and I will. And so, yeah. And if you get elected, what are some of the first things you're going to work on? When I get elected. Okay, um, excuse <laughs> me. <laughs> Speaking into existence. Yeah, that's right, um, I'm going to work on public safety because that was one of the top things that I've heard throughout the district. Education um, and then housing. All of those play a part in, you know, someone wanting to be successful or want their, wanting their community to thrive. Um, there are so many other things too, but this will be my first time running for office. The main thing I'll do is try to align with allies in Springfield, my colleagues who share the same vision as me and our constituents in our district. 
um, and work from there. All right. But, well, let me say you, you talked about lifting the ban uh, in terms of like a rent control to help protect, uh, protect people in gentrifying area. And, that, and mm. that district, the ninth that you just laid out, includes a lot of different areas, some of which are mm-hmm. gentrifying. Now, I'm telling you this right now. When you get elected, you're going to get a call from some powerful people and they go, don't listen to Ben. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, first of all, separate yourself from him. That'll be the first thing they tell you. And the second thing they'll tell you is go a little slow. Okay, mm-hmm. you're pushing too hard. Mm-hmm. You don't understand. You're new. You're a rookie. But these things right. are complicated, and there's real estate interests at stake here. So just back off a little bit on this. So how are you going to deal with that? Standing on my own two feet like I've been doing. I stood up against one of the most powerful industries, which is nursing home industry. Fall back in one. Um I've negotiated contracts with owners who've said that, like, it's impossible to pass 15. You'll never see it, <laughs> right? And we've passed the 15 minimum wage for the city and the state. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just standing on my own two feet. My my values are important, and they always kept me centered. And so, um, yeah, and organizing. Organizing is important. Um, a lot of people... They like even when I organize workers in a nursing home, for an example, what I hear at the beginning is we will never see $14 or they're not going to agree to this or whatever. I'm just going to keep my second job. And it's like, don't you want better? Like we all want to work one job and still be able to be comfortable and, you know, support our kids or, you know, take care of our business without having to struggle. And so, you know, Organizing them around the real issue, which is that your owner is making millions of dollars off your labor, and yet <laughs> you're struggling to pay your light bill or put food on a table. Where's the problem, right? But at the end of the contract campaign, every contract pa- campaign that I've been able to, um, you know, lead, the workers always say, like, I never thought we can get to this point. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, because sometimes we just have to do it collectively. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to take in Springfield is for people to come picture. together collectively, see the bigger picture, believe in it, mm-hmm. and continue to fight for it. You know, even with a fair tax, people frowned upon it and said, oh, that'll never happen. We have an opportunity in November to pass it, yeah, right. right? Corporations are coming here in droves. Why do you think that? Because there's so many tax loopholes, right? But yeah. So you're not gonna back down, all right? Well, I'm not uh, gonna back down, but I mean, you know, I'm aware that I'm new, <laughs> and I'm aware that people may, you know, try to take advantage of that. But I've been a fighter my whole life, you know. All right. So you're running in uh, the the ninth legislative district state rep seat, and mm. usually when candidates come in, we got another candidate sitting by, so get ready for this question. Usually when candidates come in, and I ask about races uh, other than their own. Uh, I get a lot of ducking and dodging and uh, a lot of dancing because no candidate, uh, like he said, that not no candidate, but most candidates do not want to tie themselves to any other campaign because they want everybody to support them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, okay. So this is my long way of asking you, do you support anybody in the presidential race? I supported Warren, but I'm also feeling the burn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you feeling the burn these days? Feeling the burn. Um, but yeah, I mean, I feel like if you're true to, you know, your values and uplift in the communities or our state, our city, or our country, then, and if it aligns with that candidate, why not support them publicly, right? Um, 
I was asked a question yesterday from a reporter that said, you know, you talk about being an organizer in Springfield. We had an organizer from Chicago. Do you know who that organizer is? And I'm like, yeah, Obama. And then he's like, well, how will you feel his shoes? And I said, I'm feeling my own shoes. I've, I've lived my own experience. Um, and lots of people relate to it. It's thousands of Lakeishas out there. Mm-hmm. It's thousands of, you know, Lakeishas who are walking this, walking in this world, trying to navigate through a system that does not work for them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, yeah. Man, when you said that, <laughs> I flunked the test. Yeah. You know, we had an organizer. I'm like, who is an organizer? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I was, was like, wondering if you got that there. <laughs> the last, and I'm sorry. I don't think of Barack Obama as an organizer. I, I know you I mean, don't, but you should. That's where he started. That's how yeah, he got his start. I started as a scholar at Emerson High School. I think I moved on from there. I know Barack Obama. I mean, I know he played that organizing card for a long time, but he was well, also a lawyer and a college was, professor. And a, yeah. But, you know, I, when you but said that. he stands that, on that. Yeah, I, He stands on well, that. Well, Jeanette Taylor may have something else to say about <laughs> and that. And I'm going to tell you something. That was one of the things when we first, when he first started running in 08, mm. that really took off. Like, it, it just helped to, you know, boost the morale of people because it made him so common, if you would, to, to mm-hmm. everyone. Yeah. He, like, they could relate to him because he related to them. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a valid point. But I'm just yeah. saying, I did not. When you said like we had an organizer in Springfield, I have to tell you, like he's, I was like, oh. well, he was the, the president. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, oh, what's the organizer? I was literally going through my mind. I was like. <laughs> yeah, I thought about it at first, too. I'm, I'm thinking about, like, Martin Luther King when he asked me that question, because I'm like, Martin Luther King did a lot of work on the West Side. Yes, he did. Um, for affordable housing, for the janitors. And so when he asked the question at first, I was thinking, like, hmm, didn't run for office? No, <laughs> Martin, time I don't, no. Barack Obama. Barack Obama. <laughs> so you actually got it right. Yes. <laughs> you got to keep that report. Who's the reporter that said that? Uh, Kai from the North Lawndale um, newspaper. Oh, I got to give Kai credit, man. That <laughs> stopped me. I'm like, who's the organ? He was blown away with my response, too. But it's true. I'm not trying to, you know, walk in anyone else's shoes. I'm walking in my own truth. You know, these are my beliefs, and I'm going to stand by them 100%. All right, now, uh, the other one is Kim Fox, and that's kind of on my mind these days because she was sitting in that chair right there, and I almost feel like I'm responsible because it was during our conversation that she said the word that uh, Bill Conway is just hammering over the head with, which I don't even think... A, I agree it is bullshit, okay? Hey, you can run that as a campaign commercial, Conway. But I just don't think... I just feel, Eve, get your thoughts on this. There is a double standard when women run, mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And uh, they Always. they just and this Never gets back change. to Hillary Clinton because I heard her when she was being interviewed by Howard Stern. Jack, I don't know if we ever talked about this, but Hillary Clinton was saying well, there was that moment in the debate. Like, I don't know if you remember if you saw 2016. There was that open debate where Hillary and Donald Stern were standing up, mm-hmm. and when Hillary Clinton was talking, Donald mm-hmm. Stern, Donald Stern, mm-hmm. Donald Trump moved <laughs> right behind her and stood there, hovering yeah, I over remember her. That. Remember that? I remember. And it like broke all the rules and all, all the protocol the yeah. of what how. You you're supposed to respect people and Hillary Clinton didn't respond to it she just kept talking right and Howard Stern asked her about that in the interview like a, the attitude a man would turn around and go excuse me right. you're right. not supposed to stand there mm-hmm. move over there and Hillary Clinton essentially said that well you know if I did that they'd say I was you know a mean woman right. or a nasty mm-hmm. woman right. and they hit me with the double. okay mm-hmm. so it's like I can't I had to worry about doing it that way and uh, I 
the criticism I had about Kim Fox and we had talked about, and this is Del Marie, I'm just stealing it from her, mm-hmm. is that she wasn't forceful enough in coming back, counterpunching when they went at her with all this mm-hmm. little gate stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. So do you feel inhibited in any way as a woman running for office or are you free mm-hmm. and liberated? Mm-hmm. I mean, being a black woman is hard, <laughs> especially in politics, um, because I hear it a lot, too, in the communities that... One, you're too young. Um, This is a man's world. It's more of a boys club. And it's like, why do you think so many women of color are running for office against incumbents? Right. (laughs) I'm like, uh, it is hard because you you have to worry about how your hair look, your appearance, what you say, how you sit. I'm like leaning forth now because it's like I'm tired being <laughs> seven days out. <laughs> but, you know, you're always told like to sit up straight, keep your head high, make good eye contact, give a smile here and there. It's like you can't be angry. <laughs> and then black women, we have this. Um, you know, thing where, oh, she's angry because she's expression, expressing emotion. And so you get tired of hearing it. So then it makes you angry. But no, I'm I'm fine. Any space that I walk into, I own it um, because I'm proud of who I am. Um, and I just encourage others to do the same. Mm-hmm. So I'm inspired by women like Kim Fox. You know. All right, very good. Well, and by the way, Jeanette Taylor's give her some love too. And Alderman Jeanette Taylor, unafraid to say what's on her mind. Unapologetic, unapologetic right. on this show. Right. She swears like a oh, sailor, yeah. and she never apologizes for it. And I'll bet a lot of people behind closed doors swear. I'm not saying come on the show and swear. I'm not asking anybody. Sure. You just I should read this yourself. article that you know the most intelligent people swear a lot. I don't know if it's true. Well, I think it is, but. Somebody Let's accused me swear of swearing a lot. Maya, who's on, just said, I don't know. Do I heard you. Much? Do you? I don't, I don't, do I, I don't think so. Uh, my late yeah. mother, may she rest in peace, could swear like a sailor. And so maybe I picked it up from her. Uh, oh, God, when she's talking about Republicans, I thought the Beautiful F-bomb woman. was attached to the word Republican, <laughs> if you understand what I'm saying. Uh, okay, so tell folks if they want to get in contact with you, where they can get in contact with you, all that good information. Yes, yeah, so my social media is Lakeisha, L-A-K-E-S-I-A, the letter, the number four, rep, R-E-P, dot com. And then if you want to donate, you can donate to um, Friends of Lakeisha, L-A-K-E-S-I-A. Um, my office is located at 3252 West Roosevelt, right next to Lehmanson's in the shopping mall. Um, if you want to volunteer, you're more than welcome to stop by. Our office opens as early as 10 a.m. and we close as late as 8. So, All right. Very yes. good. All right. Jackie, anything you want to say before I uh, take a break and move on to our next guest? No, we'd just like to thank you for having us yes. on, Ben. And we want you to bring us back once we're we have the victory on next Tuesday. Oh, well, we'll see. I bring please, her back. Please, please, Question get is, when she listen to those people go, don't talk to Ben. No, I <laughs> No, Ben, I'll be back. All right, very good. Thank you so much. Thank uh, you. Uh, Michael Croner on deck. We're going to bring him on when we return. It's the butter cow, which has nine hearts to represent the nine essential nutrients in milk. That's right. It's made entirely out of butter. And, it, you know, it's a state fair tradition since at least 1922. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. 
arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hey, D. Yeah? Did I tell you that the Ben Jarofsky Show is sponsored by Rattleback Records? No. Well, it is. Rattleback Records at 5405 North Clark Street is Andersonville's full-service record store. Hey, D. Did I tell you it was voted one of Chicago's best record stores in the 2019 Chicago Reader Poll? No. Well, it was. Wow. Rattleback Records, 5405 North Clark Street. Used and new LPs and 45s. They got CDs, DVDs, books, gifts, and much more. For more information, contact them at rattlebackrecords.com. That's R-A-T-T-L-E-B-A-C-K records.com. Right now available at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast, it's this week's edition of Beyond the Column with Ben Jarofsky. We've been doing this for about a month now where we take a deep dive in the latest column from Ben Jarofsky. This week's column, Panic Peddlers. Ben. Yeah, we had a lot of fun. Uh, David Ferris, we took the deep dive on this one. We had a lot of fun. David Ferris, political science professor from Roosevelt University, really one of the smartest guys I know when it comes to analyzing elections. And so he did a regular uh, sit down with us. We, we took the, 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 the current political scene from A to Z had a blast talking about the primaries, Biden versus Bernie. And uh, David was going through the polls and showing how uh, like our, our worldview is distorted. Reality is that each of them have a very good chance of beating Donald John Trump. And then we, we closed that one and we talked about the column I wrote, uh, which uses the 1972 presidential election uh, when George McGovern was the Democratic candidate and he got swamped by Richard Nixon and how that's a pivotal moment in the minds of boomers. And this has been on my mind mine I, I you know i haven't even had a chance to say this because so many the kim fox thing came up the coronavirus thing came up so many distractions oh, how panicky boomers are in general they just they see their shadow and they get nervous and they get afraid and they keep thinking they're reliving 1972 and every campaign's going to be like 1972 when the liberal george mcgovern got swamped by richard nixon and so that's what the they're translating to this election and automatically assuming that bernie sanders would get swamped by donald john trump because it happened in 1972 so uh, Panic Peddlers is a, an analysis of the 72 election and the actual impact it had. And we had a blast with David Ferris going back in time and talking about all these issues. If you're an avid Ben Jarofsky Show column reader, well, we hope you become an avid Ben Jarofsky Show beyond the column listener. <laughs> it's pretty cool. We take a deep dive in the latest column and we also go back in Ben Jarofsky column past. On this special episode, we actually take a deep dive all the way back to 1992. Yeah, Ben was 72. No, well, the, uh, the came out in 92. Oh, got it. Oh, wrote. my bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wrote one in 1992, and we talk about that one as well. It's a good time. It's Ben Jarofsky, Beyond the Column. And I got a feeling I know what next, or this week's column is oh, going to yeah. be about. <laughs> oh, yeah, the time Kim Fox said bullshit <laughs> yeah. on our program. Yeah. Bullshit. It's bullshit. bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 Nice effects there. It's Beyond the Column, Chicago Reader, Chicago Sun-Times websites, and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show live from the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, I just got this text from Joanna Klonsky. She asked me, hey, Ben, uh, you might want people to might want to remind people that can still apply to vote by mail until March uh, 
12th, uh, given coronavirus, worried about turnout depression, Board of Elections website has an application. It's super easy. So if you want to vote by mail, you can vote by mail. Uh, thank you, Joanna, and uh, dutifully reported that. All right, uh, the way we're going to do this, have a dear friend of the show. People are going, where's Heidi Henry? Well, she's not here. It's only one Heartland mom. I'm feeling a little naked without Heidi. I, I got to say. Uh, Murray Briel, the other half. Or maybe Heidi's the other half. Heartland Mob is to come on maybe once a month. Uh, driving in from, I won't say the boonies because I get in trouble. Just Please did. don't. Oh, I did. <laughs> Our guest seems like a Heartland fun, uh, fun uncle. <laughs> yes, a Heartland Fun. So why don't you introduce our guests, uh, Marie? All right. Well, thanks so much for having us on. Uh, we have Michael Crowner, who is running for Illinois State Senate seat in the 49th District. Now, it's currently held by a Democrat, and that uh, senator is leaving to run for another position. Mm-hmm. So it is a contested race, and I have had the opportunity to meet and talk with all of them at length, and I will tell you by far, Michael is the way the district needs to go. All right, very good, Michael. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. All right, and so the incumbent uh, is uh, Jennifer Bertino, uh, Bertino uh Torrent, is that correct? That is correct. All right, and I uh, got that right. Uh, and so tell first, first of all, give folks a sense of where the district, this is always important. Our listeners are all over the place, so just give people a sense of where the district is. Absolutely. So the district is in the southwest suburbs. Uh, the big bulk of the district is covered by Plainfield, but it also includes portions of Oswego and Shanahan, Shorewood, Joliet, Crest Hill, Romeoville, Bolingbrook, Naperville, and a wide array uh, kind of out there. But yeah, generally uh, in the far kind of southwest suburbs and going from, again, Naperville down all the way to Shanahan. So it's a pretty expansive district. And roughly, is there, which congressional district does it, it parallels it? It's, or is it in a couple? It, it's in a couple. So Lauren Underwood covers a portion of the district as well as uh, Representative Bill Foster. All right. Uh, so we had Rachel Ventura in here the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's running against Foster in the 11th Congressional District. So this is area that traditionally has been Republican, if you go back like 30 years, but through demographic changes and organizing, it's becoming more Democrat? That is correct. So uh, at least for the last eight years, uh, Jennifer Bertino Tarrant, who's a Democrat, has represented the area, and it's becoming increasingly Democratic. So if you look kind of year by year, uh, the spread between the Democrats and the Republicans is, uh, it's growing. Mm-hmm. All right, tell folks a little bit about yourself. Absolutely. So uh, I live in Bolingbrook, so I'm on the, the northern end of the, of the district. Um, but one of the things that I, that I like to tell people about is kind of my background and growing up, and it helps shape and, and help people understand why I do the things I do and why I care about the things I do. So my, I was actually born to two to teenage parents. Uh, so as you could imagine, my parents weren't exactly well established in their careers uh, when I was born. And, you know, growing up and, and raising a child at such a young age, you know, there, there are a lot of struggles for them. Right. And, you know, we, we relied on a lot of help from a lot of people to get by, especially early on in my life. Um, but I also, you know, through my parents saw a lot of kind of grit and hard work and kind of determination just to do better for themselves and their family. And, and I saw just everything that really goes into, um, just doing better for yourself and how hard it can be to get by if you're not born with certain advantages. And so ultimately what was great is that I got to see, you know, my parents just kind of persevere and, and get through a lot of challenges. You know, my mother, 
you know, got to go to, you know, she graduated from college, you know, after I was born, she went to eventually to law school and she dedicated her life to public service and working for the state throughout her career. And now she's up to the point where she's an administrative law judge, right? And that's no small feat for somebody who was born, uh, who had a, a child as a teenager. And my father, you know, he did not get to go to college because he had to work full time and, you know, at times twice uh, for two jobs. But now at this point in his career, he's one of the top performing individuals in, in, his, in his industry. And it's, just because of the hard work and the determination and but also because a lot of people you know gave them support throughout my life to be able to allow them to focus on things like whether it's their education or work and supporting the family and so i've always thought you know what can i do with my skill set to help people and so you know that mentality of like hard work is what ultimately led me to going to northwestern and getting a degree in economics i later went back and got an mba in finance and i've always thought how can i use that skill set to help people what can i do to better my community so i've always used that skill set you know helping different organizations whether it be unions and the chicago federation of labor pension funds municipalities i've worked with nonprofits and foundations all just trying to solve difficult kind of fiscal problems that they're having you know economic problems uh, because I realized that, you know, most of us are kind of limited in income and a lot of us, you know, we got to make sure that we get the biggest bang for our buck and, and help as many people as we can with the dollars that we have. And so that's why I, I dedicated my career uh, within the financial services doing exactly that, you know, trying to find ways to improve communities with with that skill set. Uh, but then the other side of, of why I'm running it and kind of why I, you know, I'm, I'm interested in all of these sorts of things is that, you know, I've seen... You, you talk about the demographic kind of changes in the 49th district and I've seen, you know, it's, it's becoming increasingly diverse, right? And increasingly, you know, not just racial diversity, but also economic diversity, right? Within the district. So we have people from, you know, well, you know, well off to do individuals, but then we also have lower income people in parts of the district. And, you know, we have pretty much all races represented in the district and it's getting increasingly diverse. And what I've kind of noticed throughout my life and, and one of the things that I'd be happy to talk about shortly, is that not always feeling like, you know, that our, represented, our, our representatives, our senators always have that kind of full perspective and understanding all portions of their population, right? And so, you know, far too often we, we think about, you know, the, like, for example, parties generally have problems, you know, getting people of color always out to vote, right? I'm letting you know, and I understand exactly why. And then not always feeling represented and not always feeling like they care always about the issues, or if they say they care about their, our issues, they don't always come to us for the solutions as well, right? They, they kind of speak to us and, and at us, but not with us. Um, and so that's one of the reasons that I want to run as well. It's just that making sure that everybody across the district feels well represented, regardless of race, regardless of gender, regardless of their socioeconomic status, right? Because I want to make sure that they get involved in the, in the, uh, and the electoral process themselves. I want them to, to feel like their voice can be heard and that their votes, their vo their votes ultimately matter, mm -hmm. right? I haven't always felt like that. I don't have an extensive voting history. People will, will knock me on it and, I, and I'm open about it because of the fact that I haven't always felt like, you know, my voice mattered because I haven't always felt like, you know, our elected officials always cared about the things that the people that I care about, you know, um, are dealing with. And so I, one of the things that's been really exciting for me throughout this campaign is going to events and telling people about my history and why I'm involved now and, and the issues that I understand and care about and talking to them and with them, not just at them. And, you know, they approach me after events. They say, Michael, you know, for the first time, I feel like a politician understands me. For the first time, I'm going to vote in a primary because they actually get it. 
you're inspiring me to, to get more involved in this process and helping me to understand why I need to get involved in the process. And that's what I'm trying to do with my experience and, and helping people to better understand why they need to get out there and vote and, and how powerful it can really be. All right, let's break down. You, you've, there's a lot to work with. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's first of all talk about, I've got like three different things I want to talk about. There we go. Uh, let's start with the voting history. Yes. Uh, so you haven't, there's been elections that you have not participated in. And I, uh, is that correct? That is correct. And uh, so shame, shame on you for not doing that. I, I realize the mistake, and I've talked about that exact mistake when I go out there and, and not always appreciating the, the power that you can have and looking at it the wrong way. Um, and people tell me, you know, that's the same mindset I had. But when I explain why they need to get more involved in and and how we can fix it, that's when the wheels start turning in their heads as well. And that's why so many people have registered in this process, because they finally understand. It well, as was well. there an election or a particular candidate that really inspired you to get involved in the process? Yeah. So for me, you know, I've I've supported candidates in the past, not always within just my district, but just kind of throughout the Chicagoland area as well. Um, when I feel like there's somebody who understands kind of the needs of our community, uh, I'll go out there and I'll advocate for them, whether it's, you know, I know, it, you know, telling everybody I know within Cook County to vote for a certain Cook County candidate or knowing everybody who's in a certain district to, to try and push them towards that candidate. Um, but I think one of the things that it probably has inspired a lot of people to getting, you know, more involved in finding ways to get involved was a 2016 election. Right. And, and seeing the election of Donald Trump and and kind of the the rhetoric that he's used and the divisiveness that he's caused kind of in this country. And, you know, it's he's not the only one that's caused it. it it's been a lot of people who have been making that happen. Um, but he's kind of added, you know, fuel to the fire. And when I've seen, you know, whether it's on Facebook or kind of in the street or at community events, kind of that divisiveness and and, and people desperately looking for you know, somebody that can actually come up with solutions to their problems. I, I understand to an extent why some people supported them. They are desperate and, and you want to find somebody who can help you get out of, you know, uh, certain situations because politicians, like I said, haven't always understood, you know, all aspects of communities. And um, so just that election in itself has been one of the areas that, you know, I've thought about and, and you know, why I want to get more involved and why I want to get more people involved, period. Mm -hmm. And I think it starts, you know, kind of within my district and hoping to, you know, use that as a case and a model for other people to understand and, you know, not use just here in Illinois, but in districts across the country as you, well. You did vote in that election. In 2016, I yes. did. Okay. Yes. Uh, that would have been like, you didn't vote <laughs> in 2016. It, it's a little hard for me. I got to say this. Uh, it, it, and I'm not saying I'm better than you or anything. It just, I just, I was, I've always been a political junkie. Mm -hmm going back to when I was like 12. Yeah. I was utterly obsessive in many ways. I'm not using it as my therapist here, Michael, but, you know, I was a, <laughs> obsessed with sports and politics yeah. then as now. So, like, when I hear somebody didn't vote, I'm like, what? You didn't vote? Like, yeah. Like, when I turned 18, that was my first election. I was like, Went out and voted for Jimmy Carter. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's how old I am. Uh, but uh, yeah, and, and that's exactly I, I get what you're saying. And, you know, I, I belong to two groups that we've historically have struggled to get out to vote. Right. Young people. I'm, I just turned 30 recently and and Latinos. So, um, you know, there are two communities that we haven't always been great about engaging. And, you know, if you look at the number of elections I've kind of uh, participated in since you know, um, since ultimately registering to vote, it, you know, it's about the national average. Um, 
but I want to do better for myself. I, you know, I involve as many young people as I can in this process. Like just to give you an example. Yesterday I went to a middle school just to explain to kids exactly how important it is for them to vote and explaining how I, you know, looked at it the wrong way when I was younger and why you need to get involved and, and kind of being proactive about it, but also involving high schoolers and young college students uh, in this process. I've had roundtables with high school students, making sure that they feel involved and that their voice is heard so that ultimately they go out there and vote for candidates that they care about. Um, because I understand now, you know, mm -hmm. as I've matured and gotten older, you know, how important it is for you to, to use your voice and, and ultimately get out there and vote. All right, fair enough. Let's go talk about the financial services. Exactly yes. what does that mean? Yeah, so I've worked, uh, the bulk of my career was within investment banking and real estate. Uh, so I helped uh, kind of municipalities across the country with, you know, things like bond issuances and stuff like that. Um, but I, you know, we were based here in Chicago. And one of the things and that I loved about the firm and the reason that I, that I loved working at that firm was that they're very kind of community focused and always trying to find ways. How can we use the things that we have to benefit communities? And uh, so as a result of that, you know, we got to work with, you know, foundations, um, you know, evaluating their grant programs and making sure that they're getting the biggest bang for their buck, uh, working with a nonprofit hospitals trying to make sure that they can economically uh, deliver, you know, the highest level of healthcare possible, you know, for underserved communities in an economical way for themselves. Um, because, you know, the state's not always going to be able to come in with the funding, unfortunately, sometimes where whether it's through a recession or, you know, grants dry up, they need to be able to, to be able to stand on their two feet. And we were helping them find models to be able to do exactly that. Uh, and uh, so the question I have when I when, when you say that is, and I'm dealing with stereotypes here, my stereotype would be to finance, a person in financial services would be a Republican. Why aren't yeah. you a Republican? Yeah, because I care about people. <laughs> I think that's at the end of the day. I, you know, as somebody who has, you know, been the fish, beneficiary of so much support, whether it's from family, friends, community programs, after school programs, all these different things, I see the value that all these kind of social programs have. Mm -hmm. And Democrats are the champions of these programs. And, and that's why, um, that's why I'm a Democrat. You know, I, I care about people and I care about all these different community programs and, and understanding what it takes, you know, for families to be able to rise and thrive and, and to get past their circumstances. And the Democratic Party is the best party for, you know, making sure that people can can rise up and thrive and grow in their lives. The uh, the incumbent in this district uh, who's leaving now, she wants to run for what, Will County Executive? That's that, correct. Uh, it has been a little weak, to put it mildly, on the issue of women's uh, right mm -hmm. to choose. What's your position on that? Uh, I fully support every woman's right to choose. I've been endorsed by the National Organization of Women for exactly that reason. Um, you know, I'm the father to a daughter, and uh, I never want her to kind of grow up in any sort of world where she's restricted from being able to do anything in her life because of her gender. Right. So whether it's, you know, you know, making sure that she has, you know, equal pay for equal work, making sure that she's safe from kind of harassment or making sure that, you know, when she has difficult decisions to make and uh, regarding pregnancies, that she has every option available to her. Right. And in a safe way of, of you know, exercising all of those rights. So I am fully supportive of, of every woman's right to right. choose. And uh, something that's in the front page right now, um, just looking at the front page of the New York Times, market, market spiral as globe shutters over virus. Haven't talked about the impact of the coronavirus on the markets. You're in the financial service mm -hmm. industry. Uh, what can government do to sort of uh, help people very uncertain times? Yeah, well, I think it actually takes, you know, showing up and showing leadership on an issue and not shying away from an issue. You know, I think what we've seen in kind of DC is too many, too often people are, are downplaying it. And, 
you know, when you have kind of conflicting news, it's going to cause a lot of panic when you have one group saying, you know, this isn't a big deal. And one people saying this could be the biggest epidemic we've faced in centuries. You know, it causes a lot of uncertainty and markets don't like uncertainty. So I think if we had, you know, our government really being a lot more proactive and funding things in the right way and, and making sure that they're not downplaying any situation, you know, downplaying it, uh, it can scare a lot of people in, in itself when people are, um, when, when people are getting that, that other news that it's real serious and, and they're wondering, you know, why is this conflict? What are they trying to hide from us? You know, you got to be a lot more transparent about an issue. You got to be a lot more clear on an issue and just making sure you're being proactive about these things and, and addressing these issues in a meaningful way will go a long way towards, you know, establishing uh, confidence in the population and then ultimately in the markets. Michael Crowder is my guest. He's running for state senator in the 49th district. We're going to take a break and be right back. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. It's Chicagoland's adult entertainment playground. It's the world-famous Admiral Theater, 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. The Admiral is homegrown from Chicago, and it's the most conveniently located club in all of the city. 15 minutes from the O'Hare Airport in downtown Chicago Loop. Voted Chicago's best strip club, the Admiral has showgirls galore and a variety of adult entertainment shows. The world-famous Admiral Theater, open every day from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m., 3940 West Lawrence Avenue. For events, showtime, and other information, visit AdmiralX.com. Must be 18 years of age or older to enter. Eroding beaches on Chicago's lakefront, warmer winters in the upper Midwest, microplastics in our water. What can any one person do? Our best hope for saving the planet and ourselves is through the power of we. Get to the ninth annual One Earth Film Festival, the Midwest's premier environmental film festival. It's March 6th through the 15th. March 6th through the 15th. When? March 6th through the 15th. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say the that. 14th? No. Uh-uh. Pay attention. Take a piece of paper out and a pencil and okay. write it down. March 6th through the 15th. Okay? 15th. And there's 26 films, 48 events, and four counties. What is that again, D? 26. Films. 48. Events. Four. Counties. You can engage with filmmakers and experts. Venues include Tesla Gold Coast, Loyola University, Plant Chicago, Old St. Patrick's Church, Chicago Cultural Center, Lake Theater and Oak Park, and much more. Go to OneEarthFilmFest.org. What is that, D? OneEarthFilmFest.org. One more time. OneEarthFilmFest.org. <laughs> God, are you good. That's correct. Commercial break over. Welcome back to the Ben Jarofsky Show, live from the Chicago Sun-Times. Mr. Jarofsky, take us home. Michael Crowner in the studio. He's running for state senate of a 49th district uh, out in the burbs. And we've been talking about all the issues facing uh, him as a candidate. And then in the break, he dropped a bombshell on me <laughs> in my little world. Uh, okay, Michael's dad. We'll talk. I should let Michael do this. Uh, but many, many years ago... I spent, I spent 
a lot of time with my dear friend Manny Weincord, coach of the Roosevelt Rough Riders basketball team uh, at Roosevelt High School on the northwest side of Chicago at Wilson and Kimball. And uh, I've written quite a bit about Manny and the Rough Riders and my time with the Roosevelt. I was with them. I started with them in the 91-92 season. So that's already how many years ago? 28 years ago. Good God, time is fly. So I don't, you know, Dennis won't allow me to talk about sports in this show. People don't know I'm <laughs> utterly sports obsessive guy. And I, remember I told you, Michael, I'm, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with sports and yeah. politics uh, equally. And pizza as a third. Uh, <laughs> throw that in there. He loves pizza, guys. I love pizza. Uh, and um, so I never think of that. Anybody would know about the time I spent with Roosevelt, the volumes that I've written about that experience. And Michael dropped a bombshell on me at the break. Why don't you tell folks the, what you told me at the break? Yeah, my father actually played uh, basketball at Roosevelt High School in the 89 to 90 season. Man, when he told me that, I almost passed out. Because, <laughs> you know, like, this is, Murray's laughing. Murray was the one who brought Michael, uh, Murray, one of, Murray Briel from Heartland Mamas, <laughs> along with Heidi Henry uh, on the show every month. Anyway, uh, Murray brought uh, Michael to my attention. And uh, Heartland Mamas, we always talk about it being in the boonies. <laughs> and, like, far remover from my little world, which is basically, you know, my house, which is not far from Roosevelt, the studio, which yeah. is in the loop and a few places in between. So you drop in and go, oh, yeah, my dad was at Roosevelt. I'm like, what the heck are you doing out in the boonies if your dad's from <laughs> Roosevelt? Yeah, my dad actually was part. I, I believe, if I recall correctly, the the year before he got there, they, were, they weren't they were so great. They, were, they had a losing record. And uh, when he got there, and I'm not saying he's the reason for it because uh, I... He tells me his stories. Who knows? He could be pumping himself up. Uh, but that season was kind of the first year their their kind of turnaround at, at Roosevelt High School. And I, I believe that nine, 89 to 90 season was one of the best records they'd had in several years up to that point. And he was a part of that team. Well, there was a guy named Mo who was a shooter. Your dad. I know Mo. Oh, his mind's blown. <laughs> Get the bong out. Okay. <laughs> Get the bong out. You know Mo? Yes. Mo could His shoot, man. Yeah. Well, he was a year younger than your dad. Mm -hmm. Your dad graduated 90. Mo graduated 91. That's when I came on the yeah. scene. Uh, so your dad would know him like Terrell. Exactly right. They're friends on Facebook. I asked him about it today to confirm. So, wow. Small world. And Terrell Redmond was a hell of a basketball player. Uh, so, yeah. So your dad, the way your dad tells the story is that he was the turnaround. Is that yeah, the story? Yeah, he was part of the turnaround. He was a starting point guard on that team. So we'll you know, go it with all that starts story. with the point guard. <laughs> so you don't play basketball? I, you know, I played growing up. I did, you know, uh, I played in kind of a lot of the men's rec leads on the south side and stuff like that. And uh, my dad would coach basketball teams. There's kind of like a, a national Latino basketball kind of circuit in this country. Um, and he would coach teams all throughout the country. And whenever they'd be kind of locally in the Chicago tournaments, I'd, I'd play pretty frequently with those teams. But you didn't play in high school? I did not. I actually didn't get into basketball probably until about my junior year. I was always a baseball guy growing up, which probably broke my dad's heart when I was younger. Yeah. Um, but as I got older, you know, I got pretty good and, and started playing in those men's rec leagues. And I loved it. And I, you know, I played in the kind of intramural leagues in college. And I actually was also a team manager for the basketball team at Northwestern. So basketball is in my blood. You were the team manager for them. I did not. Uh, what years were you at Northwestern? Uh, so I graduated in 2012. I was uh, on the, I was with the basketball team for I think it was a 20, 2009, 2010 season. I'm trying to think who the guard. The guard was from Lincoln Park. 
Uh, Juice, Juice yes. Thompson was a starting yes. point guard. That was a year John Cherno broke out, uh, was kind of most improved player, and yeah, it was a good team. Cherno was from Glen Ellen, I want to say. That's he was correct. a shooter. Yeah. And uh, Juice Thompson was from Lincoln Park High School. Yeah. So yeah, man, the stuff I know, huh? Uh, and Northwestern is terrible. I hate to. Uh, it's breaking my heart. Yeah, your alma mater was terrible this year. Come yeah. on, Collins. Uh, there, there's hope. There's hope for the future. All right, there's hope for the future. All right, uh, before we let you get out of the studio, tell folks uh, how they can get in touch with you. All that good stuff, Michael. Absolutely. So uh, you can look us up on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Michael for Illinois, and that's the word F O R. Um, our website's also Michael for Illinois F O R dot uh, and that's pretty much the best ways to get a hold of us. We, I answer all emails directly. So if you have any questions, you, you drop the, the notes on our Facebook or, or on our website, you're going to be getting directly to me. And I'm happy to chat with any voters. All right, Murray, anything you want to say before I let you out the door? I just want to say that the Heartland Mamas, thank you. So, well, half of us. Thanks so much for having us in and getting to know Michael. I am 100% behind this guy because he's the real deal. All right, Heartland Mamas is a podcast. Uh, Heidi Henry. You should say that. Heartland yeah. Mamas, M A M A S dot com. Heidi does the M A M A S. Oh, man. Well, Heidi's not here. You got to pick I up your know. game. What's you're the, right. You're right. What's the latest Heartland Mamas all about? Ooh, uh, we just did Ousting Eight and we nailed Mitch McConnell. And then we are hitting on another episode of Women in the World and the Status, particularly tying in with the coronavirus and how this will disproportionately affect women and children children all across the world. So. Well, I'm going to get on my uh, high horse here th about the coronavirus. If that is, if the coronavirus doesn't get people to realize how much we need a Medicare for all plan in this country, absolutely, I don't think anything will work. All of a sudden, Donald John Trump is finding his inner Bernie uh, talking uh, about, <laughs> uh, you know, that, oh, well, I'm going to make sure that people get access to, well, first we'll see if he comes through with his promises to get access uh, to health care. But folks, it's like you can get sick anytime. This could happen to somebody anytime. And no one cared until the market started to be affected. And no one paid attention media wise until Italy got it. Why? Because we think of diseases that emerge from being third world countries. We don't look at those cultures as being equal to our own. So all of a sudden, Italy got it, and everybody freaked out because yeah. it meant it was possible for us. Well, when you say nobody, I mean, there were people. Well, that okay. Yeah, right. I'm sorry. Yeah. I mean, point well right. taken. Donald right. Trump didn't think it was an issue worth talking no. about uh, and that, until the markets mm -hmm. started tanking. And then he got very nervous. Uh, but like I said, I know you stay in neutral in the presidential race. Every candidate that comes in here is like, mm, I, got, I want Biden people to vote for me. I want Bernie people to vote for me. I'm not getting involved. But uh, Bernie was way ahead of the game on health. Just saying that. I know it's not popular these days, D. Funny, we uh, have never uh, never have anyone come in here and say, I don't want these Bloomberg people getting mad at me. <laughs> we never had that. Nobody has ever said that. It never happened. Uh, I don't think there are any Bloomberg. Oh, wait, Heidi was uh, courted by the yes, Bloomberg. Yes, she was. Yes. She was courted by the Bloomberg team. Uh, she was indeed. That was fun uh, when she was telling that story. All right. Very good. Murray, thank you so much. Thank you for having Check us. Check out the Heartland Mamas podcast, everybody. Uh, Heartland Mamas, Michael Crowner, thank you so much for thank coming you. in. Say hi to your dad. Dad, working that jump shot. All right, dad? <laughs> Could, uh, uh, I'm going to ask Manny to see if uh, you were the star point guard. No, I'm sure you were. I'm sure you were. Uh, and uh, let's see. Who else? Lakisa Collins. She did a great job. Uh, Jackie Algie did an awesome job. And it all began with Maya. Maya got a parking ticket, D. She 
texted oh, me. Oh, hell. I know, man. That's bullshit. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You gotta clean up that language. And we come full circle. Yeah, we do come full circle. <laughs> All right. Uh, Miles Porter did an outstanding job as all. The pride and joy of Evanston High School. And, of course, the man, the myth, the legend. The pride and joy of Alton, Illinois. He's working that boards like the maestro that he is. And as Michael Croner will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. And remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows and Benny J bonus interviews at both Chicago Sun-Times and Chicago Reader websites and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. If you've yet to, go check out our interview with Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox. Ben did a fantastic job. Kim Fox was very candid. Go check the interview out. Weigh in with your thoughts and find us on social media at Benny J Show. B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J, show. Hey, if you're in a band or you know anybody who wants to get their music out, send it our way. Don't sue us. At Benny J Show at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you, and we would love to play your music and plug whatever uh, you want us to plug. We'll see you tomorrow. Bullshit. It's bullshit. It's bullshit. 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 That's correct.